Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, November 25th, 2019, and today we are continuing our study on the book Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman, and today we will look at chapter 8 as well as the epilogue. And as we look at this chapter on reproduction and then the epilogue, the final part of Robert Coleman's book, we need to know, as we have seen, we are called to reproduce. Jesus expects his followers to reproduce his likeness. And through the ministry of Jesus, we said that his only mode and model for this reproduction was through discipleship. You see, Jesus invested in the 12 more than any other, and he had depended upon the faithfulness of his chosen disciples to this task. That was his only plan. He expected them to reproduce his likeness. This is why Jesus gives the parable of, of the vines in John chapter 15 to illustrate the point of reproduction. This is what John says in John chapter 15 verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. We see in this parable that Jesus gives that the vine dresser is God the Father, the vine is Jesus. The fruitful branches are genuine followers of Jesus, and the fruitless branches are those who appear to be joined to Jesus, but in reality only have a superficial attachment to him. We are known by our fruit, and we are known by the way that we reproduce. If we are in the vine of Christ Jesus and are healthy, then we will be producing fruit for the kingdom. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7 during the Sermon on the Mount beginning in verse 15. He says, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits or grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Oh, beloved, are we reproducing the fruit of Christ in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our sphere of influence, and among the nations? We must reproduce and bear fruit. This is such a powerful example of the reproducing life in Christ. A healthy tree produces good fruit. The fruit produces seeds, which are spread to produce more trees and more fruit. Before long, you have an orchard of fruit. And beloved, this is what we are praying for in our sphere of influence at Lifeline. We are praying for an orchard of Christ 
following and reproducing birth families who are reproducing the gospel the next generation. We are praying for a ripe harvest of former orphans, foster children, and babies placed by their mothers who will reproduce the gospel here into the nations. And we are praying that the Lord would use us for his glory, his gospel, and his fame to be reproduced to coming generations. Don't miss the important word found in John 15, abide. Abiding has to do with deriving our strength and life from Christ so that we bear fruit. We never do it apart from the all-sufficient power and strength of the Savior. Look again at verses 4 through 7, and, and if you're one that writes in your Bible, circle or underline the word abide as you see it. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I want us to see three quick lessons from our reproduction disciples who are making disciples found here. Through this word, abide. Number one, we cannot do this as an act of Christian duty, but as an overflow of a life rooted and abiding in Christ. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We are like a hairdryer without electricity when we share the gospel merely out of duty or servitude. But as the promise from verse 5 tells us, in him, plugged in, we will bear much fruit. You see, we need the presence and power of Christ in order to share the glory of Christ to a lost and dying world. But the second quick lesson from this passage on reproduction and abiding in Christ and making disciples is this. If we are rooted in Christ and abiding with Christ, he will give us the words that we need. Many times, we do not share our faith because we do not know what to say. We overthink about any question that we may be asked. The truth is we worry too much about our words instead of praying desperately for the souls of the lost and the power of Christ to rest on us as we share. You see, the promise from verse 7 is that if we abide in Christ, his words will abide in us so that therefore our witness will overflow from our relationship and dependence on the sufficiency of Christ Jesus. Beloved, when we abide in Christ, he will supply the words for our witness in defense of the gospel. Oh, he gives us the words we need in that moment in order to speak of his glorious grace and his glorious gospel. And the third quick lesson from this passage on reproduction, abiding in Christ and making disciples is this. When we abide in Christ, our hearts will be set on growing the kingdom of Christ and will give us the desires of our hearts. Look at the blessed truth found in the last part of verse 7. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Beloved, when we are rooted and grounded in Christ, abiding in him and him alone, the power of prayer for the souls of man is at our disposal. So I ask today, are we pleading for the souls of man in the same way that we plead for the healing of our loved one from a physical infirmary? Oh, beloved, are we believing? Do we believe that we must begin pleading for the names of the lost and, and ask the Lord in whom we abide for our salvation for their souls? And as we plead for the souls of man, we must be reminded of the commands and the promises of Jesus. 
Oh, I love what it says in Matthew 24, 9 through 14. I want us to see from this passage the purpose, the promise, and the price of our great commission. As we read this passage, look for the phrase, all nations, as this phrase will reveal the purpose, the promise, and the price of our high calling to reproduce ourselves into more disciple makers. Matthew 24 starts in verse 9. It says this, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because of lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. First, the purpose. Our purpose is to spread a passion for God into all people groups where his name is not already known. Jesus clearly states that the gospel of the kingdom must be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. We are called not necessarily to geographical or political countries, but to peoples, languages, tribes, and nations. Beloved, you may not be called to pick up and move to the Amazon rainforest or the Himalayas, but we must spread the glory of God to our neighbors and to our families because we never know when the Lord might be preparing to send them to go. My sweet wife, Ashley, has been afflicted with Lyme disease for many years, and it, it makes her feel horrible at times. And, and there are times that she doesn't feel like moving on. And, and she has told me at times that she feels like she's holding me back, that maybe, maybe I would be in the nations if it weren't for her. But here's the deal. We know and are confident that we have poured our lives into those around us and into those who are in our sphere of influence. And we have the hope that while we are here and we may not be able to go, there are those who are going. And so we spread the glory of God because we never know when we may spread the glory of God, share the gospel and disciple someone who will one day go and take it to the nations. So the purpose is to spread the passion of God to all peoples where his name is not already known, but that brings us to the promise. And the promise is the evangelism of the church, the world cannot fail. This is the great hope of our call to reproduce. We cannot fail because the word of God will not fail. The latter end of verse 18 is not a conditional promise, but it's an unconditional promise. It says, then the end will come. Jesus isn't saying, if you go and tell enough people and tell enough of the right people and hit every tribe, tongue, and nation with at least one convert, then he will come back. This isn't a mom promising a child if they'll just be quiet, they'll get candy at the end of the store. No, this promise is assured. Jesus is coming back and he will assure that every tribe, tongue, and nation hears of his grandeur and his goodness. Again, when we abide in Christ, we cannot fail in taking the gospel to the nations. So the purpose is to spread the passion for God into all people groups whose name is not already known. The promise is that we cannot fail. The evangelism of the church, the world cannot fail. But then third, there's a price. First, the first one tells us that we will be hated by all nations, verse 9. The price will be very high, but not so high that it's not worth it. Jesus says in Matthew 24, 9, you will be hated by all nations because of my name. The purpose and the promise will not happen without the price of opposition and suffering. In fact, the price is not just the result, but the strategy of the purpose. God has a certain number of martyrs appointed, Revelation 6.11. Jesus said, when you are arrested and taken before governors, this will be a time for you to bear testimony, Luke 21.13. 
The purpose, the promise, and the price are all bound together. We pay a physical cost, which drives us to our knees, pleading to the Lord for a spiritual purpose and promise that another disciple maker will be claimed for his great name among the nations. And so in closing, we, we reproduce our lives. We have a strategy and a plan. We stay rooted and grounded in Christ because ultimately this is not our home. And we desire that many will come to repentance and not perish. We are longing for the day when Christ will take us home and the reality of Revelation chapter seven will be known. And so in benediction, Revelation chapter seven, starting in verse nine. John the Revelator says this, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out from the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of the Lord and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They will hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat for the lamb is in the midst of the throne and he will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Well, thank you for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. And this week, we are praying for the country of Peru. We are praying for the Peru program, the adoption program. We no longer have any active families in the process, but we pray for our team as we are taking steps to evaluate the future of the program and how we can grow and advocate for the orphans of Peru. We're praying for the government of Peru and the central authority to make wise decisions about orphan care. We're praying specifically for the newest director of adoptions that took office uh, even just this last month. We pray that their administration will work in best interest for children. We are praying for the children of Peru, that they would hear the gospel and that they would be sustained in their times of difficulty and waiting. We're praying for the government to create better advocacy policies for the children to be declared abandoned and to be eligible for adoption or to be reunited with biological families. We pray for our partners not forgotten, Jean and Patty, as they lead the staff who care for the boys and the home. And we pray for our, our partners, uh, Mike Kennedy and, and, and his children's home there in Lima. We also pray for wisdom over our Peru team, Josh and Farah and Beth and Meredith. And we pray as they evaluate what the future of the program will look like and navigate decisions moving forward. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to serve you in the country of Peru. Lord, we know that you have given us so many opportunities in Peru, but Lord, there are also so many closed doors, and particularly closed doors to intercountry adoption right now as uh, the director of the central authority changes so rapidly and the, the system is not in place in order to bring hope and future through adoption to children. Lord, we ask that you would open up doors, but also, Lord, we ask that you'd give us wisdom. Lord, help us to have wisdom as we evaluate this program. And Lord, we ask that you would help those officials in Peru to make wise choices and Lord, to, to have wisdom as they seek to look at what's best for the children of Peru. 
Father, we would pray that these children would hear the gospel, that they would be sustained in their times of difficulty and waiting. Lord, we ask that you would give the government better advocacy policies and Lord, help them to be able to declare these children uh, abandoned and, and eligible for adoption when it's best or to be reunited with biological families. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to work with Mike Kennedy and his home in Lima, as well as Gene and Patty and Not Forgotten. Father, we just ask that you would continue to give manifold wisdom to our team, to Josh, to Fair, to Beth, and to Meredith. And Lord, we just pray that you would give them wisdom as they evaluate this program. And Lord, as well, we just pray, Lord, that you would strengthen the church in Peru, that you would equip uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, Peruvian brothers and sisters in Christ, who would be called to adopt these precious children and bring them into their homes. Lord, there are so many vulnerable children and orphans in Peru. And Lord, we know that you hear their cries, you know their name, and Lord, you are passionate for them. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would wrap around them, show them that you're love, and bring them to fullness in Christ. It's in your great name that we pray, the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.